0: This episode is brought to you by Off Auth0. Zero. That's offzero.com. In this episode we get to speak with learning and public evangelist, author, teacher, writer, programmer, podcaster, Swift. Welcome, I'm Frederick Weiss and thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do and do tech good. And our sponsor OptZero 0 is helping us do that all year long. Auth0 makes it easy for developers to build a custom, secure, and standard-based unified login by providing authentication and authorization as a service. Try them out now by going to auth Also, check them out at youtube.com slash auth twitch.tv slash Auth0, and avocadolabs.dev for their online meetup events. Thanks again, Off Auth0. Zero. That's OffZero.com. Thanks so much, Off Zero. Really appreciate it. And let's go ahead and uh, welcome our guest. And you know, speaking of a guest, we actually have a co-host on the show today, which I'm so grateful to have. Before we get to Swix, we have Art Amana. Art, thank you so much for guest hosting with us today.
1: You are welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back.
0: Yeah, absolutely appreciate it. And w- with that being said, and no adoos being further, let's get to our guest for today. <laughs> <laughs> Learning in public evangelist, speaker, author, teacher, writer, programmer, podcaster, Swix himself. Welcome Woo-hoo! to the show. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really- p- Oh, thanks. Really appreciate it. It's uh, I I feel really lucky to have both of you on the show today. So thanks, thanks both of you. I guess at the start for for sharing your time. I, I know it's always um, a little challenging on a Saturday. So you know, thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, I, I I know you were having some issues, Swix, with uh, with traveling. Uh, do you mind uh, talking a little bit about that? I think uh, you got caught up in that. Uh, Trump travel ban and uh, now you're back mm-hmm. in Washington. Am I am I yes. correct there?
2: Yes, sir, Seattle. Um, yeah, I went to Croatia for a conference, uh, the Shift Conference, which is amazing. It was my first in-person conference in a long, long time. Uh, and it's always amazing to have in, like, an all, all expenses paid uh, conference travel trip. And so I, I went with it with all my friends who were also speakers and had a really good time there and give a give a talk and met a lot of interesting people came back to the immigration gates and got turned around by the customs and border patrol because they said that i came from a restricted country so uh it turns out that uh, i mean i knew in concept about the trump travel ban but like that was imposed like early in the pandemic and I had the vaccine and I had a negative COVID test, I just assumed That I'd be fine, Uh, because like it's like I have American vaccine in me, Um, (laughs) but no, (laughs) just as a as a as a rule of law by executive proclamation, I am a higher COVID risk because I have the wrong piece of paper, Uh, so I had to go quarantine Mm -hmm. in Mexico for for 14 days. Uh, Don't Mm -hmm. don't really speak the language. Didn't have a place to stay. Didn't have any cash on me, uh, and just had to figure it out.
0: Wow. So (laughs) what did, did did you? did you not have a, like your COVID registration card or did that just not count?
2: Didn't matter, yeah, it didn't matter.
0: D- didn't matter, wow. that is so crazy. Well, you know, speaking of your travels then, I, I know you said you, you got caught up in Mexico, but um, you know, w- within these travels, how, how was everything? Did you feel safe with, with, the, uh, with, with the vid going around? Like, was everybody masking yeah, up? Is, yeah. it, is it a little bit better than, than here?
2: Um, everyone's, everyone's fairly, actually, I think, yeah, I would say, I'll say that Europe is actually more uptight or strict about having yeah. your mask on, uh, properly and at all times. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's even the, the ironically surprising bit that the U S is enforcing Europe travel ban when, uh, quite, quite honestly, like Europe is doing a better <laughs> job of, uh, of keeping their masks on.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It, it's, it's, it's interesting how that, that all works and hopefully within, um, I don't know. maybe I'm being optimistic in 6 months we'll get to a place that's a little bit better. It seems that that delta variant is kind of slowing down in certain locations in the United States and the same thing with what is it? The mu, mu. I don't know how you lambda. pronounce it. Lambda? The is that lambda another variant. One? Yeah, there's that's a new one? one. Yeah, I didn't lambda. Even know that was yeah. New one.
1: yeah, lambda's picking up. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, is that the yeah. one that's supposed to be like resistant to the vaccine or something I think such so. as that? yes. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get back to uh, feeling safe again. At you know, going to conferences and seeing people and all that. But uh, yeah, I again, hope so. yeah, I, I, I think we have to. Uh, it's there, there's there's too many smart people out there to not get us through uh, the situation.
3: Hmm.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Swix, tell me a little bit about yourself in your own words. I know Swix is from your, your name, Sean, and it's the initials within Chinese of your English and American name. Um, do you mind just uh, giving our audience a brief uh, context about yourself?
2: Yeah, uh, born and raised in Singapore and came to the States for college. Uh, and I spent my first career in finance where I did uh, investment banking and hedge funds. Mostly learned to code on the job, but I never had the title of software engineer. So I made oh, wow. my own tools, but I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't do any software engineering best practices, no testing, haha, no version <laughs> control, haha. It was great. It was fantastic. Uh, I, had, I came out of investment banking with a 4,000 line uh, uh, VBA script that I copied and emailed to myself uh, every single time I came out with a new version. So that was my version. Control that was your email. version.
1: Oh, that is hilarious.
2: <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's on, it's on like GitHub Gist, actually, because I, I lost it for a while. And then I was like, wait, hang on. Ooh. like That was the most significant program I ever made in my early years. Like, I better fi- figure it out. So if you search my Twitter and look for VBA, you'll see it. Um, and yeah, eventually I burned out of the finance bit. Uh, it was very stressful. And uh, I think it's not very good for um, just like fundamentally, it's a very closed ecosystem, very zero sum, like I win, you lose. And mm-hmm. I realized that uh, it wasn't actually compounding. That was the main thing. I, I was okay with zero sum, actually, because like some things have to be, but uh, it wasn't compounding. So whatever trade I made, whether or not it made money, the next trade uh, would have to top it and if i lost money i would have to make up what i lost um and it was a, just oh. like a black hole of of ideas and and energy and after two years of day-to-day stress you know some days uh just sleeping under the table because i was just too tired to go home um i just i had enough i just burned out um and it wasn't it wasn't like i i think it was like a 50 50 like me and them thing like uh, i think that uh know there are some people who are just really insanely talented at it Uh, but I put in my all for two years and I there's a there's like a company-wide ranking of like analysts and I came in in the middle Um, and I looked at the people who are at the top and I was like I'm not them you know so uh, but there was one thing I was good at which is coding uh, which was like making my own tools and I realized that um, I was doing a lot of number crunching so I did uh, Python and Haskell uh, number crunching for my derivatives trades and for my portfolio risk management. Um, and I was often the script monkey whenever people wanted to make any hmm. changes to calculations or like, hey, like, can you rerun the analysis like in this different way? I would have to go back and punch those numbers in and get the numbers out and then like, send it back to them. Um, if I could remove myself from that equation, then uh, people would get a lot of use out of my my work without me there uh, and that's what led me to front-end development and JavaScript mm-hmm. um, I think actually front-end developers don't under don't appreciate sometimes the power that they have in creating applications that stand alone without them and that can scale basically infinitely <laughs> without any resources whatsoever apart from the browser that's just a, an amazing tool so uh, yeah I, I and you know even despite all the language that I learned, JavaScript was the hardest. So I, I tried six months of self-learning with Free Code Camp, and I didn't feel it was enough. So I enrolled in a boot camp, and that got me my first job. Uh, so I did. Uh, so just to wrap up, I did a I did a year in Two Sigma, and then joined Netlify. That's that's kind of my claim to fame, where I, I joined yeah. like fairly fairly early on, and then uh, grew with them, and uh, and then joined AWS uh, to do more. More like basically Netlify plus plus because like it was uh, a Netlify competitor plus uh, storage plus you know uh, uh, AWS auth and stuff like that. Um, and then this year, early this year, I joined Temporal as head of developer experience. Yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> L- let me ask you this question. I want to jump back to uh, what you're doing now, but. There's a lot of us that we 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 start off in these careers that we believe are um, you know uh, the the best path for us. Or you know I, I went to school for this, or my family told me to do this, or I, I I feel like I'll be able to make the most money in this. What what exactly got you into finance? And um, what what yeah? I mean you you went into the turning point, but what, was there an actual love or a passion for finance? And then you kind of. Um, discovered your actual passion?
2: I think there was a there was a passion. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have stuck with it for so long. Um, I, I, what got me into it was honestly the 1997 and 2001 financial crisis. So 1997 mm. is not such a big deal for for Americans, but uh, in Asia it was a big deal. Uh, there was a Asian financial crisis, currency crises, uh, entire governments collapsed because um, of mismanagement of their Uh, economy so um, and also hedge funds but (laughs) but uh, I realized that basically every other job every other industry is um, inherently tied to the economy except if you deal in finance and if you can short the market when everything is going to hell and I kind of saw that again during college uh, because I already decided on a career in finance but during college uh, I went through the the great financial crisis of 2007, 2008, and again, like everyone, you know, out of a job or like overextended in their loans or whatever. But if you're a hedge fund, you were managed, you managed to be able to short the market. So uh, it seemed like the only career where, uh, if you could call bullshit on, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can swear. If you can BS yeah, on, <laughs> quite quite on, BS on on uh, sometimes central bankers who are mm-hmm. quite frankly, you know, they they deal their confidence men and confidence women like they 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 say things that are may not actually be true and if if you if you cash them out doing it you can actually make a lot of money but at the bare minimum you can at least look after yourself if everything is going to you know to to hell in a handbasket like you can actually you know move yourself to cash or like you are just in the center of like the financial transformation of assets. And I think that's a very powerful position to be in. And I thought if I could understand that and and get good at it, then um, it would be, it would be a really great position to, to be in. Um, I think I, I like, I got there in understanding, but I wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of the summary of it. <laughs> um, I also didn't like the people, I would say like, yeah, there were a lot of, um, um huh. i think money like money is money is an interesting thing and when you deal with other people's money and you deal in very large sums of it like we were three we we're a three person team running a billion dollars in uh gross notional uh value right. uh, why i say why I say notional uh, uh it's not actually we didn't have a billion dollars sitting around uh that was including the shorts that we had so we were a market oh, neutral sure. uh long short fund so we had to you know buy 500 million dollars worth of shares but then also shorts uh 500 million of other shares that which, which will hopefully go down and make profit on the difference um and yeah i mean i, I thought that, that that was my ideal position i spent 10 years getting there and i got there and i realized i didn't like it um so uh was that was the second part of the question
3: <laughs> well i, I
2: think that have...
1: was... oh go ahead please. no 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 please yeah no i had that's an That's an incredible story, Swix, I have to say. And I guess a follow-up question, I know we need to get to the the rest of our talking points, but I'm curious to to hear you speak about how you, because it takes a lot of courage, I feel. Like you can know that something isn't working for you and you can know that I'm not happy here and I'm not as fulfilled as I thought that I I was gonna be, but I still think it takes a certain level of courage to walk away from the familiar. So can you talk about like how, how you, more so the the mental and the emotional side. I mean, we know you transitioned out of that job, but if you could speak to maybe any yeah. challenges you faced either mentally or emotionally or in terms oh, of yeah, right.
2: I speak to a lot of uh, finance refugees who are like me. They heard my story and then and then they want to do it, but then mm. they're kind of like, "But I have a really comfortable life, you know. Yeah. I get paid well in finance. Like, <laughs> you want me to walk away from this?" Uh, and yeah, you know, and changing careers, like you know, I unfortunately I don't have like kids or anything, so it was a little bit easier for me. But changing careers uh, at the you know at the age of thirty is still. Something that's intimidating, I think, because like you, you feel like you should have, you should be hitting your stride. You should be, yeah. uh, you should be well known in your industry by now. And to say like, uh, screw it, I'm gonna start over, is, you have to be in a certain point of like uh, understanding that there's a lot of life left, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's uh, life is too short to, um, to spend doing something that you don't enjoy or are not good at.
0: It Um, reminds me of a tweet you just put out the other day where, and and I'm going to read this verbatim so I get it right. Yeah. There's a lot of quit, quote unquote, quit your job, indie hack your way to freedom on social media. I want to articulate a middle path, uh, work at a company on interesting problems, but also maintain side projects, reputation as backup and long-term game, AKA have a job while not being your job. Is hmm. that kind of go with that is that fair
2: um that was that's a slightly tangential thing uh but i was definitely sure. my job uh went during finance like there was nothing else yeah. about me apart from my job um and i think but it also applies to a lot of devs who are their job and that's their whole identity and they're kind of banking on their job treating them well to take care of them long term uh, i don't think it serves them very well sometimes because uh, i find that in, in basically you know jobs don't have your long-term best interest at heart they they want to slot you in to um, somewhere within the hierarchy uh, to for you to perform according to the ladders and career metrics that they've defined uh, but sometimes they don't know what your interests are. And if your interests diverge at all from the company, then you're kind of screwed if you don't have a network outside of your job. Um, And to build a network, you probably should do something interesting to others that are interesting to them beyond the company that you work at. So um, yeah, this tweet is a more recent realization, nothing to do with the finance bit, um, but I guess it's related.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just thinking it. Thinking it as, as, as a way of uh, more of like advice for people that, you know, you, you, you don't don't don't, you know, if, if you're looking to do something, you don't have to jump off a bridge to get to a ship. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, know, you, you can work at where you're at and kind of build up and then f- find that. Or, you know, some, sometimes it makes sense to just drop what so, you're doing and, uh, and go, go, go forward.
2: For, for anyone who's considering a career change or anyone who knows a friend who's considering a career change, this is exactly what I did. I took a year to do it. Um, I left my hedge fund. I joined a startup that was serving my hedge fund. Um, so I went from customer to employee. Uh, and so I was tech adjacent, right? I was tech adjacent and still using my finance knowledge, but uh, trying out a, a, a startup role. I was a non-technical product manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was there, I learned to code on the side uh, at using Free code camp. I'm a massive supporter of them. I've donated to them every year since I graduated, um, and uh, they—they're they, really—they're really helpful in trying this on and seeing if you can hack it as a yes. as a developer. Yeah. So, all right. yeah you have yeah, a, a
0: Similar story too, right? I
1: do. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I do, and I love Recode Camp as well. You're so right. This is just a really robust platform. And I feel I, anyone anyone who's heard my story and reaches out to me asking that they want to do the same thing. I always point them to free code camp. I'm like, if you can gain all those certificates and have fun doing free code camp, then you, you could probably, you know, um, make it as a de- as a developer and enjoy it, which is also important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How long did you take to, to go through this whole thing?
1: Uh, my journey was 11 months, 11 months from my first line of code to my first job was 11 months. Yeah.
2: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I had a lot of privilege working for me, so I don't want to make it sound like it was, you know, yeah, I had, I had a lot of perks, like I didn't have to work. And so that was a huge, you know, like burden not to have is, you know, not worry about bringing in a paycheck. Yeah. I would say that was the biggest. Part of my privilege was not having to work, but it wasn't easy. I had an infant daughter and a son, so it wasn't easy by by any means. Yeah, Um, I would like to segue if it's okay with you, Swix into your current work as a developer experience. I feel like there should be a third word I should be saying, right? Uh,
2: the title is head of developer experience. It's kind of like okay. A, head of developer
1: title. experience. Yeah. Thank you at Temporal.io. Uh, talk to us about what developer experience is um, and what your day-to-day is like in that role.
2: Sure. Uh, I I've been asked of uh, various versions of this quite for quite recently. <laughs> there's a lot of interest around this. I I don't really know why. Um. So. I segment developer experience into kind of two two large segment sections, and then I'll focus on the sections that I, part I focus on. Uh, so internal developer experience uh, is for, often formed by companies and teams that have a lot of developers internally, and they want to improve their productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see developer experience teams at like Spotify or Slack or um netflix uh, their customers are not developers but internally they have a lot of developers and uh if you can improve the, the productivity of one percent of them then you just gained you know the equivalent of like 100 developers for free right so uh for those people the the way that i split it up is kind of um you, there are the three main buckets. And, and I think the Netflix model is really interesting. If you listen to their podcast, they talk a little bit about it, uh, which is essentially uh, getting people started really quickly. So boot, the bootstrap phase, that's the first bit. The second bit is uh, getting from code to deploy really, really quickly. So that's kind of deployment, I guess, mm-hmm. or CI/CD. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last bit is getting from production back to deployment. So getting data, logs, errors, all that, uh, feeding that into the dev environment so that they can respond to uh, incidents or outages or errors very quickly. So uh, that's kind of like the full software development lifecycle that I really like in internal developer experience. And I think when when developer tools companies like the one I work at or Netlify or AWS, we try to market to developers, then that becomes external developer experience. Mm -hmm. So um, what we are trying to do is we're trying to serve these internal developer experience teams or the VP of Eng or whoever uh, is trying to make their own life more productive because obviously software development is as cool as it is is still very unproductive in in some elements and and we could do better with better tooling so external developer experience uh is kind of mostly right now developer relations which is Uh hey we have an awesome we have an awesome product uh let me tell you about it right um but but that's a lot of content marketing. So, uh, you know, you see people writing blog posts, giving talks and doing workshops and stuff like that. Um, But also I think it's starting to evolve a little bit more into community management. So Mm -hmm. instead of me telling you what to do or uh, or me traveling out to, uh, you know, travel the world and do conference talks, um, let's actually have a community where people talk to each other, people hire each other, people uh, build libraries that help uh, and, and open source it for each other. And they realize that a more vibrant community actually is a, is a more sustainable moat than churning out content day after day after day, right? So uh, there's the content piece, there's the community piece. And then the last piece, which in, in my mind, is that forms up external facing developer experience is the product piece. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what I mean by products is that, um, that no amount of advocacy you can do in the content, no amount of like, community, user generated content or, or forum support or, uh, co- uh, or conferences or what, what have you, no amount of that can fix a broken product. And yeah. if you could just give really good feedback to your engineers and PMs about, hey, I talk to a lot of users as part of my job. Uh, here's, all, here's, what, here's the pain points. And here's how, what they struggle with when they go through our product right now. And if you build that into the product that people don't have to read docs, they don't have to read blog posts, they don't have to read, they don't have to talk to any other humans. They just use your thing. And it just works.
1: Awesome, you know I hear you speak about um, just with the descriptions that you gave, and thank you so much for that. Was very helpful for me was the delineation between developer experience and developer relations, which is another term that I'm hearing more and more. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak? Uh, can you speak to how? you manage the flow of information as head of developer experience? Because from what I hear you describe, there's like a lot of feedback loops happening, either between the DX people and the developers, whether internal, external, how do you um, handle all that flow of information? And even from the applications and the technology itself, and how do you handle that and almost, um, like manage that information in a way that it it becomes usable and actionable for the for for others.
2: We don't handle it very well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well let's just be honest, right? Like uh, we're still figuring this out. Like um, I I don't want to say you know I don't want to sit here in front of you and say like I have this all on I, I figured it out. Um, what we do is we hire really capable people and then we talk a lot, <laughs> yeah. and we talk about the, the things that we come, come across. And we have uh, what we call a, C- a CRM, a customer relationship management tool. Okay. That's be- that's Notion, essentially. Like We, we take notes uh, f- when we interact with customers and potential customers. But also, we, when you run an open source tool, because temporal.io is open source, um, there's just sometimes there are too many anonymous customers who, who you never really talk to again. So um, it's hard to take notes on everyone and it's unrealistic. So we don't do that. Uh, we do that for, you know, large names and prospective customers that we, we expect to have a long dealing with. Um, and then I think surfacing issues in a holistic manner. So we love the word holistic internally within temporal. Uh, <laughs> To me, what that means is like, okay, where does this slot within a developer's journey through Temporal, right? Like uh, from the landing page to onto the first page of the docs to the hello world, um, do we throw the book at them or do we, uh, I, I realized throw the book is an idiom, throw a book at them. Like, do we, like how much information do we overload you with and how much is Above the fold because that's re- quite realistically all you're going to read on your first encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, what can we squeeze in there that will get you interested in, and get you to come back? And then maybe the next level is after your interest, Like, how do we get you to a hello world that is not only productive, but also like it, it's it sincerely is something that you cannot do uh, on your own or so- something that you would take a lot longer to do with other tools. Um, and then once you've decided to use the tool, how do we get you to production with all the best practices that we found so far, uh, deploying on your own cloud or, or on ours? And and then once you've deployed it, like what are the practices for optimization and scaling? No, so so there's a whole journey that we've that we're mapping out, and I'm using that essentially to coordinate. Um, how we structure the docs, how we do developer relations, like our, our workshops and our content and and all that. Uh, and then community wise, I think it's really helpful when people give you feedback. where does it slot in yeah. that okay. in in that journey? So um, and then hopefully you've you build it out. but um, I don't mean to say it's a, any by any means scientific. Um, you know we, <laughs> we're a small team um, that is serving a a fairly large user base uh, and it's a very complex product so a lot of things get dropped um maybe we could do a better job of it but also i would just need someone full-time taking notes
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much um and uh just rounding up i guess this section um it sounds like interesting work um very involved work but as a developer it doesn't sound like there's a lot of coding involved in developer experience work, and so how do you handle that as a developer individually, and how do you keep your coding skills sharp if yeah. your day job is wrapped up in that kind of work? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, to some extent, I've already given up on being like a full-time developer, so yeah. you just have to make your peace with that. Um, and but uh, you know, we do do we do code. Uh, so I'll give you examples. Um, and Netlify where i used to work uh, our developer relations program formerly had a rotation onto an eng team for one quarter of the year. So three months out of the 12 months of a year, you are on the eng team. You do not have any dev role responsibilities. Awesome. Uh, and you take tickets, you execute on them, you understand architecture, you document, you write tests, uh, all that all that engineering stuff. So you keep sharp, uh, you work on the products, and then you go evangelize the product. I think that's a really nice uh, thing to do. Unfortunately, three months is actually quite a short time to onboard and to offboard. Um, so <laughs> people can not give you long-running tasks and stuff like that. So uh, I... <laughs> On some level, you're still not a real engineer, right? You're not maintaining something day in and day out. You're not on call for the thing that you wrote nine months ago. Like, uh, There are a lot of nuances that... Uh, You just don't get if you're a tourist. Uh, And Mm -hmm. let's face it, we're we're kind of tourists. Um, We do write a lot of uh, example code. So demos, workshops, stuff like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for me, so for example, we're building out a TypeScript SDK. I'm I'm engaged in API design. And that's some of the most heavy technical challenges I've ever faced. Uh, Even though I'm not writing um, production code, I am determining the... (sighs) Design of production code for years to come, which is a fairly uh, high-stress job. Um, so, I mean, it's not high-stress. I mean, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. I'm just saying, like, uh, to say that that is not technical is a joke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're discussing we're discussing uh, API design and like implementation details and stuff like that. Um, there's there's a thousand more ways to be technical than like hands-on keyboard committing code. So, uh, I don't know that I think that's I'm enjoying it and it's I'm not scared if I ever have to go go full time coding again that I've lost my touch.
0: Awesome. Well, speaking of coding, I'd love to talk about our next subject, which is the coding, coding career handbook. So first off, when did you write this? When 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 this was like a few years ago?
2: No, this is April to May, uh, April to June, twenty twenty. That was last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, sorry, uh, that's what I meant by a few years. Time is going by quick. Uh, so, what was the what was the catalyst? What what made you write this book?
2: I had two months off between uh, Netlify and and uh, Amazon, so <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I decided that I wanted to do an indie hack. Everyone was, like, launching their own books and, like, writing their own courses. I was like, okay, okay, I'll get into this. And, you know, uh, I looked around for what's which of my blog posts have had the most readers. And uh, My blog post on learning in public has had over a million readers and constantly gets shout-outs. There are bots that, like, are written because of it. There's translations. I think there's, like... 10 different translations now of, of that essay. And so it wow. really resonated and I was and I was like, okay, probably people want this as a book. So <laughs> so I, I expanded that. I expanded upon it. Mm-hmm. I was like okay. I'll, I'll try to make this like a two week project because Daniel Vasallo on Twitter like encouraged me like you know just to get started, get it out there. I ended up planning out fifty chapters uh, and, <laughs> and having to cut it down because I, I there's no way I was gonna ship fifty chapters and and then just wrote and wrote and wrote for two months and yeah. uh, I, I wrote everything that I thought was true and. What's what? There's a little bit of imposter syndrome giving out career advice because like everyone's journey is different. Everyone starts from a different place. You know, depending depending on your privilege and uh, your. You know, just your circumstances, right? So, um, how do you get around that? Is you collect advice from other people. So, um, it's this is not advice, not just advice from me, there's mm-hmm. advice from 1,500 other resources that I collected and put in the bibliography of the book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's very much a starting point for like, okay, you just graduated from your boot camp or your free code camp. Um, here's every, and you, let's say you just got your first job as a junior. Um, I, I try not to address the like first job hunt thing because a lot of other resources do that so i think that's overcrowded but um it's very important by the way you you don't have a job (laughs) you you don't you're not starting on the rest of your journey but once you get in the job um people stop learning and they're not they're not resources to get you from junior to senior and guess what like most people want to hire senior engineers not juniors Uh, so my focus was to level you up from junior to senior and that, that was the entire messaging entire focus of like okay here's everything that they don't tell you when you start the job so uh, I think it's the equivalent of having a good mentor um, at work and sometimes you don't get to choose your mentor you just show up and they assign you someone and they may or may not be that great and I'm finding that so many people <laughs> are mistreated by the their employer or just like under resourced by their employer so they come to me and uh, I try to help them as best as I can.
0: Yeah, I love too that you have like a full-on like it, it, it. It's very interactive too. Like you could mm-hmm. obviously buy the book, but you also have all this other material. Do you mind kind of uh, touching on like the uh, the advanced options of of the purchase?
2: Yeah, I've actually simplified. I used to have three tiers, and that was just like okay, let's like try to make the most money out of this thing. And I realized like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I have a I have a good job. Uh, I don't need I don't need to maximize the money. I just need to charge for my time. Yeah. And also, I don't want to like add on another monthly charge to people's bills and stuff like that. That's just super stressful. I, I'm, I'm sick of all the subscriptions I'm paying. So I made it a one-time fee. If you want the book, get the book, but it's already like, you know, pirated to, to oblivion. Um, <laughs> what, what, really, what really matters is the community. Like mm-hmm. read the book together with other people reading the book and me and ask me questions as you go along. It's a one-time fee of like, I don't know, like 40, 50 bucks. Uh, 40 bucks and and yeah and i have a discord and i have a circle forum and uh we chat about the book we meet up uh you i show you how i wrote the book because i have um you know recorded live streams and stuff like that um and i give you extra commentary so um it's everything i, I think uh, i think it's i, I think it's just a, a steal for steal of my time but uh, yeah. I, I love i love running the community and like i love the, the chats that we have um, i have people showing up and saying asking me questions and then they go away and come back seven months <laughs> later, and they they go like, hey, by the way, you know, uh, I uh, I have been, I've been pretty quiet, but like this is what I've done in my in my job, and um, I had had a couple people already. Go from actually go from junior to senior. One of them doubled their pay um, awesome. going wow. from junior to senior and uh, I was just you know, I mean, I can't take credit for all of it, but I, I can I can at least say I helped them uh, with a lot of their questions and their interviewing and stuff like that. And it's just really cool to run a community on the side where people have a trusted place they can talk about career stuff apart mm-hmm. from their friend network who may not be developers, apart from the people at work who may, you know, you can't be 100% honest with them. Uh, but here you can because Yes, yeah. uh, we're all we're all interested in growing ourselves and, and our careers
0: speaking of uh, trusting people uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the whole learn in public thing if you don't mind like uh, I, I I'm gonna read uh, a little bit from one of the PDFs that you had for free on here uh, one of the chapters which you, you communicate that you know uh, you've been trained your entire life to learn in private and and keep what you learn to yourself success is doing things better than everyone else around you and of course i'm gonna just just with brevity just kind of um uh, just reading some things here but and of course you don't share your secrets with competitors uh which i found super interesting and then you have here a point about Eagle, this programming where uh, you could learn so much on the internet for the low, low price of your ego. Do you mind just kind of speaking about this whole um, learn in public and why it's, it's important to let go of that uh, feeling of, oh, you know, I, I don't want to put my ideas out there because you know, I might get, um, you know, shamed for it or or, or something such as this. And, you know, one of the things that I did see, um, you talked a little bit about, you know, you don't want to build a brand of, you know, somebody not knowing things, but it's also really important to put yourself out there and and get some eyeballs and, and kind of share your learning experience with everybody. Right.
2: Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think it basically takes advantage of the fact that tech is a fundamentally open and positive-sum industry. Uh, we are encouraged yeah. to go on stage and share our lessons and our failures, and that's, that gets uploaded on on Hacker News. You know, we open source our code that we that we wrote uh, in an in an attempt, mostly to hire <laughs> more engineers, but also to spread good ideas. And, you know, partially the company I work at is is a benefactor of that. Uh, you know, temp- uh, Uber had no reason to allow open sourcing temporal, but like uh, it got a lot of traction externally, got a lot of contributions, and then eventually the 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 whole community benefited as a as a result of that. Um, and so I think if I think if you do that for your own learning, you actually learn much faster than you would. Uh, by yourself and there's a there's a few reasons why so first reason that i i I think i list like nine reasons so i'm not going to go through all of them it's it's way too long but um the 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 most important reason to me is the feedback loop um because when you start off learning it's a it's always a burst of inspiration and motivation like okay today is going to be the day i change my life i will get good at whatever it is i'm trying to get good at uh and then you get into it and then you're like oh okay this is actually hard and then you give up Um, so what The learning public does is actually it gives you a feedback loop of like, okay when you share what you learn and people respond to you, you have some impetus and external expectations to go like, actually, you know, other people are in the same boat with me or they're mentoring me or they're looking up to me. I got to keep going. Um, And and that feedback loop actually. Uh, turns it turns it into a positive cycle of like okay i'll i'll share what i learned get feedback on what i learned and then go fill in the gaps on what i didn't know that i thought i that i thought i knew um and that's just a fundamental thing like i've done it for maybe four to five years now um, and i've already had amazing success and i just can't imagine that what if what happens when i do it for 40 years or 50 years and i think a life of life lived where you learn together with others, uh, that you learn learning in public, is just uh, such a more fulfilling one than something where you keep everything to yourself. Um, and people have no—it's uh, just—it's just like it's—it's just inherently better. Uh, I, I even have the math to prove it. So I call this the mm. big L notation. So it's it's comparable to the big O notation. <laughs> the algorithm for big L notation is log of n, which n being the number of years. And it's always a question of like, how do you grow better than the average by number of years? We all know that years of experience is like not a very good metric, um, but we still do it, right? Like my company does it, and we we don't have any other be- better objective number to gauge the amount of experience or knowledge or skills that a person has just. Off of a one-line judgment, um, but as an as an engineer or as a as a person with a, with a knowledge who's a who's a knowledge worker, how do you grow your skills disproportionately to your career, um, to your years of experience? Like you need a different algorithm. It's, it's the same as big O, right? Like if you're on the algorithm, no matter how hard you try, you, you're just going to grow by the big O of your algorithm that you picked. So if so, the different algorithm is instead of learning private, learning public. And when you learn in public, you add a another factor which is p so uh the number of people that you learn with um and so uh l, l- n times p uh, that's that's kind of like the <laughs> the mathematical improvement on that uh, because um you grow by essentially the number of important questions that you, that you answer and sometimes you ask when people ask questions of you um they ask they're asking something that you never thought that you didn't know, and so you 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 try to, you tend to uncover things a lot faster. Um, and also, when whenever you get anything wrong, um, you will just remember a lot faster. <laughs> so and people people will crawl over a broken glass to remind you of something that you got wrong. So uh, it's just a funny way that the internet works. But I just really like it because um, you know the only thing that you lose is, is some sense of ego that you got everything right on the first try. And if you can let go of that, you can learn so much. Do you feel
1: like, uh, what would you say uh, to someone who maybe says, what if I put, you know, I'm learning in public and I put my mistakes, quote unquote, out on the internet? Um, What if they come back to bite me? Or what if they come back to... You know, like how if I put my mistakes out, how do I then convince people that these mistakes that I made or it may not even be a mistake? It might just be like substandard code, for example, or substandard um, um, convention. You know, it could be it doesn't have to be like a wrong thing, but it might just be maybe not as optimized, for example. How do I then convince people that I've grown past that level?
2: Ooh, um because just- I get that
1: sometimes just a
2: tr- yeah just a track record of putting up increasingly better stuff um i mm-hmm. don't think there's any shortcut to it uh, so by the way uh there are definitely repercussions for this and you do have to be careful um i have lost friends over it mm-hmm. i have I have uh, put out some stuff I should not have put out because it was in private conversation or uh, not public yet or some something like some stuff like that. Um, okay. And you have to recognize that there's a certain journalistic responsibility that you have when it comes to affecting other people. Like if it's yourself, you can be as public as you want and nobody cares. But if if it involves other people, other people may have a different preference level of of sharing that they do mm-hmm. online, and you need to you need to take care not to hurt them, right? Um, and that's on that's on you, that's on me, um, and all that. Um, but uh, specifically, people judging you because of bad stuff that you put out. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Again, that's part of the ego, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's part of the journey of like you had to put out the bad thing in order to get good. Um, and guess what? Like a year from now, two years from now, you should look back on what you put out. And you, you, should, you should think that it's terrible because that's, that, that way you know you, that you've grown. So um, if you try to only put out you know, the best, perfect quality every time, you might find yourself less productive than you would if you just put out the incremental steps along the way. And I think people, um, it, there's a certain amount of like you can't please everybody. Yeah. Um, and so the people who get it, get it and will support you along the way. And the people who judge you <laughs> based on first impression of you, you don't need them in your life.
0: And it's also, you're going to be, people are going to more appreciate that kind of level of uh, granularity. If you're, if you're putting out those details, right, it's, it, you, it's, it provides an opportunity for others to learn. Like if you're, I don't know, if you're a designer and you go to dribble and you see all these like, you know, beautiful designs, but you don't see like the actual like pen and paper sketches of how somebody got to that idea. Like that's, that's the good meaty stuff that really helps people learn. Right. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll say, I'll say this. Some people want uh, different levels of signals versus noise, right? Like some people, they have more time to follow your journey. So they don't mind putting up with more noise, mm-hmm. more work in progress, mm-hmm. more drafts. Uh, but some people just want the quick hits of like, give me your top three accomplishments, you know, and just give me the, the, the best image of you. Then that's quite honestly all you're evaluated on, on when people look at your resume or look at your, your portfolio or your site to see if they want to work with you. Um, so I do think that different mediums should have different levels of effort, um, and and so if you set the expect- expectations clearly, like this is my work in progress uh, channel where I where I share everything uh, I go in progress, and here is my finished product channel where if you only want my finished product, um, go here, right, and have a very clear channel, uh, and that's consistent communication. Uh, across all your all your social media and your your personal uh, channels Um, i think that that works really well so um, i do like having a space to experiment and to fail and to uh, just complain (laughs) and that's essentially twitter Uh, but then i do have more sort of professional channels which is my blog uh, where i I put in a lot more hours it's kind of like the hours uh, is the ratio of hours spent in creation to the hours spent consuming um so you want higher ratios on the the media that you own versus uh lower ratios in uh, borrowed media borrowed platforms and borrowed platforms is literally like your, your tw- like anything that can be taken away from you eventually like twitter or youtube or whatever mm, um, yeah so so that's kind of how I think about it. Like um there's there's a int- uh, I spent six hundred hours writing my book. Um you probably will not get better writing that out of me than in that book because um, that's the one I, I wrote for under my own name for for money. Um so uh but you know everything else, like my, my tweets, like you get it for free. Uh I don't put a lot of thought into them. Uh it's fine. But also uh, you know, it's 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 weird because like it's also a semi professional channel. But um I do think that people sign up for the work in progress on, on Twitter in, in, in a way that's kind of different on than on YouTube or on a blog post. So I, I like that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we're getting short on time and I do want to just quickly touch a little bit on your podcast, which I find just super fascinating. I am <laughs> I'm, I'm hooked now, which is the, the Swix mi- mixtape. And and it really is a mixtape. I mean, you talk about things like from uh, the the six principles of influence to Pokemon jazz. Like it's it's anything and everything. And you it and the mixtape part is you you know you bring in a lot of these pieces of media into the podcast. And I, first, I just want to ask you, uh, how did you come up with the idea, and uh, what what are people's responses to to the show?
2: Um how did i come up with the ideas i wanted so i had a dabble in a professionally or more highly produced podcast and i love podcasts i listen to uh, i subscribe to over 250 podcasts and i listen to podcasts maybe like three to four hours a day thunder nerds is on there by the way i love the show uh so so it's an honor to be on um but also i think that podcast is a very lonely experience and um i'm doing all this listening and i wish i had a way to take notes on the the stuff that i listen to and also i wish i had a way to share it uh, share the 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 joy and uh, with others so uh, when i s- decided to start my own podcast i thought that something that was that wasn't that was kind of missing in the world was uh, audio notes just to friends of like hey um there's nothing in common with all these topics except that I'm interested in them. And if you're, if you're along for the ride, if you like what I like, uh, here's a way to subscribe to it. Um, I will never make any money on this. It's actually mostly for me. Uh, But if you, but you know, I'm kind of working with the garage door open is, is the Andy Matushak phrase of of, of this. Um, But like, if you like the stuff I like and if you like my recommendations, then here's a daily feed of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. yeah, people, people, people really, I mean, um, the audience is pretty small, it's in the hundreds. Um, but uh, people still give me good shout outs, um, every week or so, I'd say. Um, and I don't really know how to grow a podcast, I, I don't think it's like the most productive hour of my day. <laughs> but also, um, it makes me, I think, get much more out of my own listening. And honestly, like, that's a win in itself. Like, um, and I love these, uh, basically what I call single-player games uh, where that can that have the option to turn multiplayer, right? Like, um, so as much as you learn in public, like, you might get discouraged if you never get feedback, right? Like if you're like, okay, I worked like, so hard on this blog post and I put it out there and I get one like, which uh, is very demoralizing um, if your entire goal is to get likes and views. So if you try not to measure yourself on those things and you, you just you all you saying, you flip the switch and you, you're going, OK, I'm doing this for me, but I'm leaving open the opportunity for others to get to join along. That's much more authentic because you're not performing anymore. You're literally fulfilling your own needs um, and you win no matter how much people respond, whether or not it's a hit. I still I get hits and I get misses. Even today, I, I have over a million visitors a year to my blog. Um, I get hits, I get misses and uh, doesn't matter. I still win because I wrote the thing and it expresses something or it notes down something that i've been researching or studying for a while.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh so that's kind of how i approach my my mixtape as well. Like i still win because i w- had the chance to go over a, a passage within a podcast that i really liked. Um and so yeah and and then the the, the eclectic mix is it, it's inspired by a few things. Um i think the uh, the tech meme ride home is like a very short daily news podcast. Uh the the breakdown is is a crypto podcast that is also daily with uh with extended pieces on the weekends, and then uh, so what I do is uh, on Monday, Mondays, Thursdays I do clips of other podcasts. On Fridays I do music because music is another interest of mine, and I like to share my musical picks with others. And then on weekends I'll do long form audio, sometimes of others, but mostly of me. So my appearances on other podcasts are re-syndicated onto my own feed. So if people like what I do, they'll find it on my feed eventually. So uh, I like I like that all all those all those things just just so that. Um, It makes it easier for people to find me, and also it makes it uh, it preserves it in case the other podcast goes away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to us being on uh, on the (laughs) (laughs) mixtape. Now I know what you what you mean because I have the same thing. At least for me, is where. like like i i i take a lot of notes like or will contest to this <laughs> you saw like i take a lot of notes i do a lot of research on every guest and for me like i if even if we don't like ask like 10 percent of the questions i still feel justified because i got to internally uh learn from all these things and i got to learn from you uh and it's very fulfilling for me so uh, everybody else getting a little bit of the the podcast out there like that's just a bonus you know for for me i i I do it for me
2: yeah yeah um i think people also like commentary on podcasts like meta commentary so that's what what i try to do on on most episodes like why should you listen to this what did i learn from it what is my personal connection with this uh, ten minutes of audio that you're about to hear, um, and it's basically friend like like you would if you're talking in person to a friend and saying I heard a really good podcast yesterday. Let me tell you about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's great. So <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go with it because like, um, I also want to grow on YouTube, and so like, there's only so many hours in a day, and yeah, uh,
0: I would, I, don't know I would love just. I would love to see it as as a as a YouTube thing. i, I think you would do great with that. the video hard
1: hard. I have a YouTube channel, and it's there's some crickets there now because it's been a minute since I put anything on there. Video <laughs> is hard. When I started yes. putting things on YouTube, my respect for video content creators just skyrocketed because it's just. <laughs> I'm just speaking for myself, but it's a different level entirely from writing an audio, which is more my comfort zone. Yeah. But video, it's another level.
0: Agree. (laughs) Well, we're
1: we're getting... I'm I'm trying to
2: get better. Oh, sorry. So um, I have launched launched a YouTube version of my podcast, and that's mostly interviews. So I want to do it native to the format. Of of each medium, uh, so my the my first like interview a podcast interview that I did went super well. Um, it was with Sunil Pai, who is the uh, who is a former React core team member and just the general thought lord on all things JavaScript. And we just went for one and a half hours talking about everything. And when you touch on every company's product, uh, they listen and then they spread it <laughs> in their newsletter, their uh, their their followers. And uh, I just got notification that we're on the React newsletter, so that's going out to like. 300,000 people. Oh, um, awesome. so, so that's so going to cool. be, that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, and I don't think I can keep it up, but at least I think YouTube, <laughs> the easiest format is the
0: interview format. So I'm probably going to do that. Yeah. Nice. I'd love to, I'd love to see that. Please do that. <laughs> well, we're we're getting to the end of the show and I like to ask two questions here. First way, what's the, uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Obviously we'll put all this in the show notes, but. I'll sure. ask you. Um,
2: Yeah. Uh, My my site is swix.io. My Twitter is at swix. And then um, I guess if you want to email me swix at swix.io, everything's available on on my website anyway. So just go there. Um, That's it.
0: Perfect. And the last thing is if you could provide our audience with some parting words of wisdom. (laughs)
2: <laughs> learn in public <laughs> i think it changed my life it's changed the lives of many 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 others uh before me and after me uh and don't don't need you don't need to credit me at all because uh you just take it and run with it it's uh, and and i hope it changes yours too
0: Swix, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you, I see that guitar in the background, and it's just itching out in my brain. Are you going to sing us off? <laughs> I know I, I yeah, I'm still on, learning the guitar. Go ahead and grab it. You can do it. I, I'm still learning it. the guitar.
1: Learn it. in public, Swix. Learn, learn in public. The guitar yeah, thank in you, but it
0: sounds,
2: it sounds terrible.
0: Let's, <laughs> let's hear it. Come on, we we've heard worse. Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> really? This one song. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus okay, you if you insist
2: um, I'm I insist probably... <laughs> um what am i what am I playing?
0: <laughs> Whatever you are uh, comfortable playing it's
2: it's out of you
3: it's amazing ah fuck. no keep going it's amazing how you can speak right to
2: my heart it's the the g is like just way out it's like oh my god um,
0: no, no no stop doing that you sound great your voice is awesome
2: um <laughs> but it really bothers me as a musician
1: no no keep going
3: please. i can
0: appreciate that Let perfection get in the way of progress. I know, right? There we
1: go. It's amazing. It's
3: amazing. It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart without saying a word. You light up to dark. <laughs>
2: I'm still learning.
1: amazing no that's great learning
3: in public i know it's
2: so terrible um so i actually uh i i've been advised that i should not do finger picking because finger picking is harder and i should do chords um and so i i i know it's just that i like finger i like the sound of finger picking and i'm trying to do that um and uh, what, I, what I really should do is, is, is memorize some chords because I, I can ch- change chords much quicker. <laughs> so I that used to be a awesome. acapella an singer and uh, I'm much more wow. of a singer than I am a guitarist.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you have a great voice. Thank you. <laughs> is there anywhere people could go to, to hear some stuff?
2: Um, uh, I have a sound that, SoundCloud want to share? that, that oh, nobody do? knows about. Do you um, want to share it? sure uh i'll look up the soundcloud oh god you see you made me you made me flustered now because like i am not prepared. learning
0: in public yes exactly
2: uh wow okay it's it's in here so soundcloud.com swix it's very on brand
0: awesome oh perfect nice <laughs> uh
2: so yeah that's my a cappella stuff um uh, i would like to you know do multiple instruments but um uh, that's that's beyond my reach right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you mind if we put that in the uh, show notes?
2: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, nice. It's all not right. active, but um... <laughs> awesome. oh man, you you flustered me. You're uh, this is like one of my most insecure things because I don't practice enough and I, I really oh, need. But to.
1: you're the learning and public evangelist
0: now. That's
2: I know, right. and that's all
0: good, man. You have an amazing voice. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. well, Swix, that's it for our show. Art, do you have any more questions?
1: I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for coming on. Swix, Um, I learned a lot and just so encouraging. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Same. Um, And thank you, Art, for for co-hosting today. Absolutely. This was Um, fun. Yeah, (laughs) you you got some more? I found,
2: I found my chords. You, wanna, you, want, you want me to try it again? Do you have Go time? I, yes, I I
0: yes, do. yes, we do. Please.
3: Remember those walls I built? Baby, they're tumbling down. Didn't even put up a fight. Didn't even make a sound. I found a way to let you in, but I never really had it out. Standing in the lot of your halo. Got my angel now, it's like it have been awakened. Every rule I had you breaking, it's the risk that I'm taking. I ain't never going to shut you out. <laughs> Everywhere I'm looking out, I'm surrounded by your embrace. Baby, I can see you hanging low. You know you're my saving grace. You're everything I need and more. It's written all over your face. Maybe I can feel your head low. Pay it won't fade away. There you go. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. my strong wow, That was awesome. Thank you so oh, much, much for whatever's... sharing that.
2: That was beautiful. Thank no, thanks thank for giving you. me a second shot because like the first one sucks so bad. I was just like, I'm not ready at all. Like I haven't warmed up. I, I, I can play it while singing. That was my achievement. But um, I, I, I put you is... on a spot.
0: I apologize. Yeah,
2: I <laughs> said so no. You handled it excellently, Slicks. Excellent. Thank
0: you. That was awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show, and thanks everybody for watching. Really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks all y'all thanks for consuming the thunder Nerds. we honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show please subscribe on youtube and itunes write us review a few stars are away. I enjoy the best podcast for technology out there, and that is Thunder Nerds. Thunder Nerds.
3: Thunder Nerds.
0: Thunder Nerds. That's our new intro. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I hope you don't mind if we use that. I'll have to say about it after the show. I love Penguins. I love Frederick. I I love Penguins. I should have known the territory didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad, just what the fuck am I talking about?